Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So as you regular listeners of the Paracast know, we featured MJ Benias a few weeks back to talk about that new web portal technology and science space that he's working with with Micah Hanks, another friend of the show, and Tim McMillan called The Debrief. And I wanted to bring our guest, Dr. Michael P. Masters, in and maybe get some of his reaction. And that is this article that The Debrief presented on the 19th of January. It's called The Decades-Long UFO Taboo, The Biden Administration Will Have to Face. The new president's got enough on his hands with the pandemic and all the other stuff and all the political stuff. But now we have this Pentagon UAP task force, which based on the legislation signed to law by that other president, they're going to have to report within six months, which is the end of June. Now, what this article focuses on is the fact that even though the UFOs have been investigated in various ways by the government over the years, it's their view that there's probably no secret silence group or anything of that nature. That's just something where you have a signal to noise ratio and UFOs were mostly not quite above the noise level, which is why we are where we are. Did you see the article, Randall? No, I haven't checked that one out. I've been uh, too busy uh, doing review for this because wrapping one's mind around time travel is not an easy task. But I have been meaning to get to check out their latest. And uh, we've been talking about getting them on the show uh, once a week to do just a quick update. So we're looking at that in the future. And hopefully that will come to fruition. The big thing here is whether or not the government had a secret UFO investigative program. Now, I think it would be a given if there really was a Roswell crash. It's not something that just disappeared. Regardless of what UFOs are, and of course we know with Dr. Masters, he's talking about possible time travelers. So let me ask you, Michael, what do you think about the government's approach to UFO investigation? Is it something that they have a long-term program on, or is it just something they deal with when they have to? I've actually changed the way I view that quite a lot since uh, writing my first book on the subject. I'm working on a new one right now, and I've been looking at various abduction encounters and and some well-known and some lesser-known abductions and, and other forms of close encounters. And, and honestly, it's I've, I've sort of evolved how I, I look at that question. And it, it seems to me that there's definitely been a long-running program. I mean, you've got Sign and Grudge and Blue Book and all of those, obviously. But I, I'm not you know claiming some deep state sort of thing per se. But it, it would seem, especially from a lot of the ones that have involved military personnel, like Jim Penniston and, and Terry Lovelace when he was in the service and he had his encounter, they sort of articulate the same kind of thing where there's the typical interrogation and it seems that both of them are quoted as saying that it seems like the guys interrogating them already knew everything about this it was more to quell uh them and their story and to just sort of get them to not talk about it even though they had 
the sense that these intelligence agents really already knew what was going on. So that begs the question, then, if that is true and we can believe their accounts, that either the government is aware of it and is trying to figure it out themselves or as many have claimed, including some of those fellows, that they're working directly with them and that these individuals, whether they be extraterrestrial or extratempestrial, as, as I argue, they've worked out some sort of deal where they're allowed to pick us up and, and learn things from us and take our genes and chromosomes and in exchange for what technology maybe or or some other sort of trade. So I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of leaning more toward that, but I, I certainly don't claim to have any answers on that. What I worry about there is, number one, of course, the legality of basically kidnapping people. Yeah. You know, that's a federal crime. And if you're kidnapping somebody and you're allowing it, that would be a scandal of the first order regardless of the source. And the other thing that bothers me is the technology. I mean, what technology could they have derived from the source of UFOs, whether it's time travelers or ET? Yeah, it's obvious that whatever technology it is, it's more advanced than ours. And if it is from the future, we'd obviously expect that because it will progress into that stage of technological development. But yeah, I mean, there's certainly things that we could be gifted. We could definitely stand to improve our aerospace technology and move away from the jet propulsion and and figure out or be gifted uh, knowledge of anti-gravity or how to manipulate the electromagnetic force to overcome the force of gravity. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe that per se, but I have heard a lot of people argue that that's the trade that and yeah i totally agree with you that any any sort of kidnapping many of these involve rape too i mean a lot of women not not just here in the u.s there's a couple cases that um phil mantle writes about i forget the name of the book without consent i think was the name of it describing full-on rape scenarios so yeah to just turn a blind eye to that if they are aware of it you know, it almost makes it seem like they're not and they're trying to figure it out themselves. And, and that's the longstanding argument is that the government didn't want to look weak. They didn't want to look like they were powerless against this more advanced entity. So they've just kind of tried to keep it quiet, which is definitely a possibility as well. Uh, last time you were on the show, this was in 2019, and your book, Identified Flying Objects, a multidisciplinary scientific approach to the UFO phenomenon is what we were talking about. And it's it's almost synchronistic the way that you started the show today, because last time you were on, we got into some very stimulating point-counterpoint discussion where I took the position of the Vulcan Science Directorate, which is that time travel is impossible. And you brought up a whole bunch of circumstantial evidence from the field of ufology that fits the time travel theory, not just from ufology, but from anthropology. And you are uh, a bona fide doctor, Professor, you lecture in large auditoriums right now. You've, as, and as a matter of fact, it's my understanding you just came from one of those lectures. I was going to ask you how your theory has evolved since 2019, and you were just mentioning that it had. So I'd, I'd really like to hear kind of some of the insights that you've come up with since 2019. 
And once the pandemic hit, it kind of put the kibosh. I was traveling a lot to do uh, TV interviews and some documentaries were in the, the works. I had just uh, optioned the rights to my book as a, a documentary. And that sort of put a, a quick halt to that. And, you know, I can't complain too much. I'm still alive and healthy. So not everybody can say that. I decided to write another book since there was going to be a bit of a lull in the activity associated with the one I just published. Yeah, it's really changed my perspective a lot. The first book looked at this question of time travel in relation to the UFO phenomenon, but primarily just from the standpoint of long-term evolutionary changes, not just in human physiology and morphology, but also our culture and technology and how that's changed. And it kind of drew in a couple UFO encounters and, and some notable ones, obviously, that suggest time travel, like Jim Penniston and his alleged binary code download. This next book, yeah, I dove into it from the other side. I'm coming at it now looking at this extratempestrial model, this time travel model, but in the context of a number of different case studies that some suggest time travel, some still suggest it, but, you know, like the Betty and Barney Hill case, for instance, I can't just ignore that because Betty was shown a star map. It's still something that needs to be acknowledged and discussed and try to avoid any biases, selection biases, and just picking ones that seem to go along with this extratempestrial model. But again, doing so and really digging deeper into these amazing abduction encounters and the details that people provide in these and, and just how similar they are from one case to the next. Let's do our break here. We've got more to come with Dr. Michael Masters. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The stress levels of Americans may be at an all-time high. From education to business to basic needs to politics, the 2020 pandemic-related stressors are pushing many of us to near breaking point. That's why you should consider the stress and pain-relieving products from sunny-bay.com. Like our lavender neck wraps and pads infused with premium Washington lavender buds. They relieve tension and relax with a soothing scent of lavender. And lifestyle expert Jennifer Bonner recommends products from Sunny Bay. Sunny Bay's hands-free neck wrap should be your go-to pain relief solution. Give gifts to family and friends that relieve stress and pain. Give love and care by giving the best. Give pillows, neck wraps, and body wraps from sunny-bay.com, a Biomed DB design company. Just click sunny-bay.com. That's sunny-bay.com. 
Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So Dr. Masters is focusing attention now on abductions. And there... Is one thing I wanted to mention, don't know if you've explored it or not, and this is something that we discussed with Kathleen Martin, of course, Betty Hill's niece, and that is that abduction researchers use, quote-unquote, a fact, some aspect of the abduction experience that they do not reveal, but they use it as a way to judge whether the experience has authenticity. Have you encountered anything like that? As far as like whether it should be believed or not? There's some element that abduction researchers don't mention in order to provide a way to judge the authenticity of a case. Kind of like in a, a cross-examination or when you separate people and have them tell the same story to see if it actually is consistent across accounts. Is that what you mean? I think there's something else there. It implies that there is a specific piece of information, mm. something about the experience or the way it's looked at that helps them authenticate it. Of course, the thing that is most interesting is the story that Denise Stoner, who wrote a book with Kathleen, had mentioned in her book and also on the Paracast when they appeared some years back, where she met several or a number of abductees in the course of one of these encounters 
And then she exchanged notes with one of them and got in touch with that person Mm -hmm. after the experience. In other words, somebody they only met while being abducted by whoever or whatever these entities or beings were. And then they were able to verify it by getting in touch outside the experience. That is weird. Yeah, that is really weird. It it sort of indicates some obviously a higher level consciousness and control of the parameters that we're all subjected to as living creatures on this planet. But yeah, that's that's really interesting. It also suggests that there may be some objective reality to that as well. But yeah. uh, I, I think where you were going just before the break there, you were uh, about to describe how your uh, continued research along the lines of abductions have led you to some new insights regarding what might be going on with the UFO phenomenon. And I'm wondering how that relates to your theory on time travel. Yeah, I guess I was just talking about the new approach in this book and how through diving in deeper into these abduction encounters and and other close encounters, it's, it's provided me with more knowledge that many ufologists have already in studying these things for years and oftentimes decades that I didn't necessarily consider for my first book or wasn't able to write about. So for instance, what we were just talking about with government involvement, that's that was something I really tried to stay away from in the first book because I wasn't sure what the reaction would be and I didn't want to have anything that could be targeted as blatant conspiracy theory or, you know, any anything that would come across as anti-religion or anything like that. So in this book, I feel a little more comfortable exploring some of those things. And and yeah, it's it's not something I really researched, so it's not something I thought about. But now having this different and more holistic perspective of the phenomenon has definitely evolved my understanding of it. And I I see the possibility of a really long history of involvement by especially the United States government, but possibly some other ones as well. And I'm I'm not afraid to say that. And I back these claims up with a lot of instances of interaction that, that people have had, especially military personnel. So that's just one of many examples of, of something that has sort of changed. I, I still there's I haven't found any reason to doubt the validity of this extratempestrial model. And in fact, it's just seemed to solidify it even more in my mind. And that's the point of the book is to try to show that, look, these individual case studies fit really well within this model. And we can learn a little bit more about it by by examining them individually. So it's it's been a fun project. And obviously, if we accept the theory voice in that article from the debrief, the government hasn't had a sustained program of taking UFOs seriously. They've had spurts like Project Blue Book and things like that, like the Pentagon program that was put into effect at the instigation of former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid for, what, $22 million, which, of course, in government parlance is me giving you one-tenth of a penny. Yeah, AA tip, I think, is what that one was. Yeah, AA tip. And the current Pentagon UFO task force. Now, let me throw this in before we get back to government participation because it's interesting because the article mentions it. The bill that includes the requirement that they give a report after six months 
does not specifically fund this group. So it's using, you know, government funds for whatever department it operates out of. So there's no specific allocation saying, okay, here's $50 million to do what you're going to do. You're going to do what you're going to do as part of your normal job. Therefore, yeah. there's no penalty if they don't do it. Right. You know, nothing to stop them from saying, well, it's going to be another six months or we don't really have anything important. Goodbye. Good riddance. Mm -hmm. Which is likely. I, I would imagine that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I think expecting suddenly we will have that great revelation and disclosure. I think it's kind of naive. I don't see it. I mean, yeah. it could happen, but. Yeah, I think we're all hopeful, but. Also, there's a long history of not doing that after all of this buzz about big breaking news coming. And I, yeah, I, I take it with a grain of salt personally. What bothers me about what you said, which is not a new theory, but one that we have to talk about is some complicity collusion, mm -hmm. the C word, you know, yeah. collusion. since we talked about that during the uh, anyway, we don't want to go back the politics collusion between governments and the forces behind the UFOs. But the thing I wonder here is I can see that if we're being visited by ET, but not time travelers, why would time travelers want to interact directly with a government and the areas in which they visit? Yeah, I imagine they don't. Um, but if Roswell happened and it was an accident, that may have forced them to interact in a way they were probably trying to avoid. It would seem from all accounts that they go out of their way not to be too overt in any one time period or in any one place. So, yeah, I don't I, I often wonder that, too. They don't seem likely to just pick winners and choosers, especially in politics and uh, with one government over another. But if Roswell happened and if there was a crash, if there were bodies recovered, especially like those are fallen soldiers. You want to get those guys back if they're being held captive somewhere, right, right, Pat or wherever, it, you know, you may be forced into a situation that they, by all accounts, you would expect would be trying to avoid. We've got Dr. Michael Masters. More to come as we look through UFOs and time travelers with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamil Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to teamgaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's teamgaday.com with longevity. Teamgaday.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The impeachment trial for former President Donald Trump will begin the week of February the 8th, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Critics say the impeachment trial could delay work Congress needs to get done. When it comes to impeachment, Senator Bob Casey believes the Senate will be able to multitask. The Pennsylvania Democrat tells Fox News that the Senate should be able to run a trial at the same time they're trying to work on more COVID relief and approving a number of President Biden's nominees. Not the, not this week, because this week will just be formalities, but uh, starting February 8th, we have to go through and process uh, an impeachment trial. But I still think even in that week, and I think it's probably going to be I hope it's just that week or 10 days. In the mornings, we can get things done, whether it's nominations or committee meetings or otherwise. This is USA Radio News. After the scrutiny that Georgia's election system came under last year, many have called for changes to the way that Georgia handles absentee ballots. Governor Brian Kemp tells Fox News that he's for a proposal to require photo ID for absentee voters. We know there's a lot of frustration out there. I think it's incumbent on us as policymakers to listen to people's frustrations, but also at the end of the day, make sure that we have secure, accessible, and fair elections in the state and that people have confidence in that. I believe doing the photo photo ID requirement on absentee ballots by mail will help accomplish that. But there's many other things that I've been talking to the legislators about that we'll be looking at and debating this year, and hopefully we'll have bipartisan support, because I don't know who would not be for having secure, accessible, fair elections and make it, making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. This is USA Radio News. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, this is interesting here. Now, it almost takes us back to Star Trek. So, a time-traveling device crashes. Bodies are recovered. Now, 
if they're not quite human, does that mean our evolution takes us to this place 10,000 years from now or what? Well, yeah, I guess there are certain characteristics of certain reported beings that while somewhat different, are still very human. Our, our bipedalism is the trait that defines the hominin lineage and the, the penodactyly, the two eyes, the one nose, the one mouth, the larger eyes, the larger head, uh, smaller face. Those are all human traits and ones we would expect into the future. And, and, and another thing I've learned from writing this new book that I didn't realize existed so frequently is that some of them are just human. They're not all grays. In fact, the grays are second in line, according to the free study, for the most commonly reported beings. They are reported as human, not just human-like or humanoid, but human in every sense of the word. So, yeah, I get, at that point, it really just depends on which group we're talking about. And in the context of this model, that would correlate with how far from the future they come. The ones that are the, the standard grays, I would argue, are probably from tens of thousands of years, if not hundreds of thousands of years from the future. But because our evolution is accelerating, it's possible that it could be shorter. If there's any sort of gene manipulation or selective programs, you would expect that to happen faster as well. Or they're just robots. Or a lot of them are robots. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. The ones that abducted, who was it, Charles Hickens and Calvin Parker? Yeah, uh, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. Hicks, yeah. Yeah, they, there's no doubt about the fact that those were robotic. Um, they do report seeing, Calvin Parker especially, did report seeing humans inside the ship as he was being abducted, but then uh, was put under before he really got the chance to interact. But the ones, the thing that took him was undoubtedly a robot of some variety. Now, of course, there is theory from some, and I think Nick Redfern's one of them, suggesting this was a government experiment. Yeah, it's possible. And that would be the same thing for... Betty and Barney Hill, remember, we're dealing with 1961, an interracial couple, which in those days was taboo in many parts of the United States. I mean, that was a time when you had a bathroom for whites and a bathroom for coloreds in the South. When I visited the South, that's what you saw. And nothing like that, of course, in New York, where I grew up. But it was a very different situation you have the interracial couple who were very close to people in the military, lived near a military base, and maybe would be an ideal subject or subjects for some kind of testing or experimentation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. I would argue, though, that because their experience was so similar to the others, so many others, obviously there's slight variations among them, but the way in which they were taken, the things they report having had happened to them, the foggy memories, um, it, it almost seems like if it was the government doing an experiment, you'd expect it to be more of an outlier relative to the other cases. But who knows? Uh, there's a lot of things that could play into that that need to be weighed as well. The thing I wonder here is the purpose if they are indeed visitors from the future, what is their purpose? And we still get back to the implications of something or someone coming from the future and interfering with the past. Yeah, that would be the case if we're looking at it through the lens of the uh, many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics, where you could have different timelines, you could have alterations, you could have a change 
I'm using air quotes. I guess this is audio, so <laughs> there's no way you could know that. But if we approach it from the block universe model, though, there really isn't any issue. They, they would have always been a part of the past, and anything they did would have been manifested by the time they came back. There wouldn't be a change in that sense. So it, it really depends on which model of time and space-time you're looking at it through. But yeah, it's definitely something to consider whether or not they try to avoid interjecting themselves to your question about what they're doing, what their intentions are. There seems to be a very strong focus on reproduction and gamete extraction, both males and females taking eggs and sperm and even incubating fetuses. So that, that would indicate to me that there's some issue with reproduction in the future, whether that's because we get crazy with gene editing and screw something up or we just evolved to the point that the big head small hole problem we currently suffer from where our heads are already too big to get through the birth canal, that becomes even more problematic and it's all external uteruses and it's all external gestation to get around that and other problems. So, so I think whatever it is, at least part of their intentions are related to some aspect of reproduction. But, you know, I have clear biases in this respect, but as an anthropologist whose main field is investigating the past, it, it seems like there would be some interest among our future human descendants to also study the past. And especially if they're from a far enough period away from our current time, that they don't have records of what happened and they, they, the only way to find out or the best way to find out is to just visit it if they have that technology. You know, in a funny way, in an indirect way, this reminds me of a couple of episodes of the TV show Stargate SG-1 based on the movie Stargate. And it bred like a couple of spinoff series. And there's an episode there where they go to the future and it was filmed around 2000 or 2001. So they're in 2010 where you have all these futuristic developments and they picked up technology from an extraterrestrial race. So just work with me here. So what happens here is they take, I guess, some kind of medication or something or substance that gives humans almost eternal life in exchange for giving up their reproductive capability. Mm. And part of the plot line, of course, is to send a message to the past. Don't make this decision because it will put the human race at a dead end. Yeah. Don't accept the good things because of what you're giving up. Now, obviously, that's not what we're talking about here, or maybe we are. Maybe they do want to change the past so the future is not harmed. But I would think just killing a fly could change the future. Yeah, again, in that context of the many worlds interpretation, it would. There's, there's issues related to how you would get back to your timeline if you came here, uh, whether you could or not. It's currently impossible to move between worlds. So if we create a new one by interjecting ourselves into the past, it, it kind of convolutes things. And there's almost more paradoxes that exist in that respect, especially regard to what that change means. So if you were in a car crash, for instance, and you went back and stopped that car crash, how do you ever know to go back because there wasn't a car crash in the first place? So there's kind of paradoxes within the many worlds interpretation that you don't have in the block universe model. Those are self-consistent, the, the Novikov self-consistency principle. And many studies in quantum mechanics that, that Novikov was a part of, along with Kip Thorne and many others, 
indicate that everything just remains self-consistent and you don't have these paradoxes. So yeah, you, you hear a lot about the butterfly effect and a lot of people have tied that into the, um, uh, what's it called? The, the South African president, first black president. I can't, oh, Nelson Mandela, the Mandela effect. Right. And whether there's a rewriting of history and we have like the sense that something happened, but uh, it was rewritten in a different way. So it, those memories are autocorrected and it becomes something else. And, you know, th- those are interesting things to think about, but it, it's hard to really fathom how that would work in the context of our real experiences as living, breathing beings on this planet. And that's why I stuck with the block universe model in my book. It's also the most dominant model among physicists, but it doesn't mean that we won't know more in the future. It could be some combination of those things as well. It's going to be some time before we really work that out, I think. But with the Mandela effect, we still have some people who remember that Dolly, the character in the James Bond movies, had braces, whereas... Apparently she didn't. So we have multiple memories, just like did Mandela die in prison. More to come with Michael Masters, Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. 
Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at immunesupportnow.com. That's immunesupportnow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. So in that situation here, you have people who have lived, in a sense, different realities. If we take this to more than an imperfect memory, anytime people remember something totally differently, doesn't that show there's something weird going on? Or is it just that human memory is so imperfect that we will never get the correct story? Not just human memory, but real-time interpretation of, of facts and realities we see. It. It's, it's so clear right now, especially with you know, different conspiracy theories and, and the way people view the world as things are happening now. You see different interpretations of things, largely from people's own worldview and their own perspective of events. But if those become memories, which they do, you would expect to have different interpretations of memories. And, and yeah, something like Nelson Mandela dying in prison, if people remember that, what, what does that even mean? What is a memory at that point? You have a sense that this might have happened. Maybe they were told that it happened when they were a kid or they got confused about something and then that happened enough, enough people remembered it that way. I personally don't give much credence to this idea that that things really happened in another way. I, I don't trust people's memories. I don't trust people's ability to see things and interpret them in a, a realistic way, e- even in real time. So yeah, I, I personally am a little skeptical of that, but I, I think it's certainly important to consider still. I'm not trying to trash the whole idea, but it it raises some red flags in my mind, I guess. Given your anthropological studies, there is an evolutionary timeline 
that extends from the past to the present. And it's my understanding here that that gives you enough reason to propose that at least some UFO aliens are from a continuation of that timeline into the future. So therefore, uh, my thinking on this is that there should be enough data there to extrapolate how far in the future these aliens are coming from with some kind of reasonable accuracy, you know, because we can look at the fossil records and we can go, well, it was, you know, a million years between this and two million years between that and several hundred thousand years between this. And mm-hmm. and you can see it in the records and then you can look at what the, the aliens appear to be like. Is there a way that you can look at that and go, well, to get from where we are now, Homo sapiens sapiens, to you know whatever we would call those, have they? I don't even know if they've been given a name. These future humans, um, how long would that take in time, from an anthropological perspective? You know, studying the way that evolution works. Yeah, I'm I'm actually in a unique position to do that too. Uh, for my dissertation, I traveled around the world and measured skulls in different museum collections, going back to three and a half million years ago with Australopithecus africanus, um, STS-5 specifically, which was kind of cool to hold that skull, fossilized skull in my hands of one of our ancestors from that long ago. But I've got thousands of skulls now and craniometric data that I collected from them. I, I could model that and especially with the geometric morphometric approach, which factors out size so that you could see how these shape changes took place from then to now and then project that forward. The the problem, though, and as I, I mentioned in the book, I actually went out of my way to avoid giving any sort of date for when the greys might be coming back from George Norrie kept hounding me about it on coast to coast one night. So I finally broke down and just threw out a number right before the commercial break. But <laughs> I wasn't proud of myself. And and since I did it for Nori, I've kind of been doing it for other people since too. But, but we have to acknowledge some inherent problems associated with that. One, and this is a problem in assessing evolutionary changes in the past too. Are we talking, there, there's variation, not just from time, phylogenetic change, but there's also variation associated with sex. Males and females have different physical forms. Ages, uh, for instance, uh, KNMWT 15,000, a Homo erectus skeleton from uh, the Turkana Valley in Kenya, is uh, 1.5 million years old, but it's an 11-year-old boy. So if we extrapolate from that, we're going to have a sense of what Homo erectus looked like at that time, but only for that very small age group. We can't extrapolate that into adulthood as well. So we also have to account for age variation, sex variation, geographic variation. If you were to come back now and pick people up from sub-Saharan Africa, indigenous Australians, East Asians, Europeans, you would have a skewed sense of what humans looked like if you only picked up one of those groups. So that makes our, there's also the issue of acceleration. As I mentioned, our evolutionary changes have been accelerating, especially over the last 800,000 years. So that's harder to predict in a model. Uh, you can obviously account for that statistically, but it, it makes it hard to know it. Will this rate of acceleration continue? Will it slow down? Will it reverse? So for these and other reasons, I tried to avoid that for the most part. But I do get asked that question a lot. And I think it also depends, like I said, which ones are we talking about? Are we talking about the very human-looking ones who still speak vocally and verbally, 
they would seem to be from a very close point to us in time. Are we talking about very human-looking ones who have telepathic abilities, which would make it seem like those are farther away? Or are we talking about the greys or the mantis or the reptilian or the insectoids, which would possibly be a post-human period in our evolution on this planet. So there's just a lot of factors to consider. It may be a fun project at some point, but there'd be a lot of asterisks by that and a lot of disclaimers about the validity of the results. That makes a lot of sense, actually. I suppose, though, I mean, you would think that there would be some sort of a kind of a, a ballparking kind of like, okay, well, maybe the the line seems to be logarithmic rather than just linear. Yeah. In other words, like you were saying that, you know, the most of our evolution, at least in terms of intelligence and brain power has happened within, well, like you were saying, 800,000 years, you read about it and it's like, okay, well, you know, started maybe 200 million years ago. And then it, 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 it's definitely accelerated from there, no matter how you look at it, no matter what numbers you plug in. And now we're heading into this singularity with technology. So that really throws an, a whole other curve into the thing because that's accelerating super fast. And, and a big part of our morphological change is associated with those changes in technology too. And, and has been since the first stone tools fire. Also, we were able to cut our food, we were able to process it, to cook it, which relaxed selective pressure for larger teeth and more masticatory muscles, the chewing muscles. So it allowed our brains to get bigger and our faces to shrink back. And, and all of that's because of tools. So, yeah, if that continues to and our technology advances, we'd expect our, our morphology to accelerate and, and vice versa. They're almost inseparable. That is one of the things in your book also that is mentioned in the preface that you're looking at time travel as an anthropological tool. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, we you hear this all the time. I remember when I was going through grad school and even as an undergraduate hearing my professors say, well, if we had a time machine, <laughs> then, then we'd know. And as someone who was secretly there to study the possibility of time travel and, and the UFO phenomenon, it, that always resonated with me. And it, it's true. I mean, we could learn so much more about our past if we're not just left with, with teeth and fossilized remnants of skulls and postcranial morphology, but we could see how our ancestors interacted, what their culture was like, what their social and political and economic system was like. So it, it would yeah, it, it would be the most amazing tool we could ever have. And, and I, that, it's, it's a part of why perhaps I lean more toward that research aspect as an explanation for their intentions, because it seems like not just from what they do, it seems to have a research component to it. But it also, from my own biases, I, I would love to do that, especially as a paleoanthropologist who's worked in digs and, you know, three and a half million years ago, 150,000 years ago with Neanderthals in southern France. If there's so many times I was sitting there with a spoon or a knife, just slowly peeling back layers of dirt that I was just thinking, man, if I, you know, if I could just hover up there in a UFO or pick some of these Neanderthals up, we'd, we'd know so much more. So I think if the tool is available to us, we would definitely use it for that purpose. Also consider history belongs to the vectors and therefore just even going back to recent events of a few hundred years ago to see what really happened, not what was recorded. Yeah. Because that could be a consensus. It could be somebody's personal opinion. Even biblical events, events recorded in the Bible, what really happened? Is it what 
a group of people wrote down hundreds of years later that was decided by a group of elders, this is what we're going to say, mm-hmm. was it politically correct? What really happened? It'd be really, really nice to see that. We'd, yeah, like, and to how much that qu- we'd like to take that quantum leap. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, was just, I was just watching Quantum Leap last night. That's funny. But Let's yeah, do like, our break here. We got more to come with Dr. Michael Masters and Gene and Randall going back through time, maybe. You're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Tehibo Tea Club's original Pure Pau Arco Super Tea helps build the red corpuscles in the blood which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. A one-pound package of tea is $34.95 plus shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. That's shop, S-H-O-P, super, S-U-P-E-R-T-T-E-A dot com. So the complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, California time. That's shopsupertea.com at 818-984-6100. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Why are we so fascinated, Dr. Michael Masters, with time travel? Is it because it's the thrill of an adventure? Let's go back through time. Let's change something that didn't turn out right. Let's go on our wave rider and fix it. I I think a lot of it comes down to what you just mentioned before the break, that we're interested in knowing about the past, what really happened. We're interested in knowing about the future. People often ask me if you got picked up 
by these folks and you could go back or forward in time, which would you choose? And I always say forward. I've studied the past my whole life and feel like I have a good understanding of it. Like I said, it would be awesome to hover above those Neanderthals at that cave in, in, in Jonzac where I worked and see what they were doing. But I'm I'm more interested in the what's to come. And then within this worldview, within this extratempestrial model, we're getting little glimpses of that every time they come and visit us. We're able to see some elements of future technology and future human form, but I'd want to go balls deep. I'd want to go all the way to the future and, you know, walk around in the streets and, and just see what life's like, what what are social systems like? Do we still have all of these political infighting situations? And is war still a thing? What, what How does telepathy work? Does everyone know what each other's thinking? Can we hide things in our thoughts? Uh, how does that communication ability open up this sense of uh, unity, collective consciousness? So, I think there's endless questions and possibilities with time travel, both backward and forward. And I think that's a big part of why it's so fascinating to us as a species. Of course, we don't go 800,000 years in the future and find the Morlocks, a race of (laughs) subterranean creatures who raise a race of humans so they can have lunch. Yeah. Yeah, there was a great uh, Futurama episode, too, where the professor was testing out a time machine and they go into the future and they stop uh, like a thousand years and 200,000 years. And every time they stop somewhere, there's uh, some hilarious situation. But yeah, in one of them, there was, there was no men. So these two men and a robot are being seduced by all these beautiful <laughs> buxom women. And then in another one, uh, robots took over the world and killed all the humans. So the robots like, Hey, let's stay there in that time. That looks fun. So yeah, I, I think there's just so many, possibilities and so many just interesting scenarios both past and future and especially you know now that that might be within reach there's nothing in the laws of physics that says backward time travel is not possible so as we inch closer to the time when we may be able to achieve it i think it it allows us to sort of hypothesize or speculate about various scenarios that could arise from it Of course, we have the third season of Star Trek Discovery. Don't know if you've watched that show. It's Mm -hmm. on CBS All Access, which will be rebranded Paramount Plus starting in March. And in the third season, this is a spoiler, but you can watch a week's trial of that service if you want. The Discovery went a thousand years into the future and they see the impact both good and bad. Yeah. Well, we're talking pop culture. There was a show called The Orville that was on. I don't know if you guys watched that. I think it might have gotten canceled. But it was with Seth MacFarlane, uh, the guy from Family Guy and various other things. But there was one episode where their ship was hovering above a planet, but the planet would only come into their frame of reference like every every day. But a day to them on their ship was something like 50,000 years on that planet. So they would go down and see these dramatic changes in a very short period of time. And and one, they made an appearance when they were in like a Stone Age situation. And then the next time they came down, they had become deities because they, they healed someone who had an injury. And then that spread and became a religion. And so the next time they came down, they had been represented in in this deity form but yeah there's there's so many examples obviously back to the future gets cited all the time it's a horrible 
horrible movie in the context of how time travel would actually work. It's a great movie. It's really entertaining, but some are better than others, I guess you could say. Well, in terms of Back to the Future, when they go to the past, we get the old-fashioned vision of what they did then impacted how the future turns out. Yeah, exactly. Especially with uh, rock and roll music, I think that was kind of the main theme at the end when Marty's jamming out uh, on the guitar and uh, yeah, it's a real thing to consider. You could have the future impact the past and the same future that you came from. Okay, so let's talk about traveling through time. Is science really working on such a project? I know they're working on warp drive. They're working on transporters. Stargate's not quite yet. Yeah, it's there's kind of an ebb and flow there. There is a lot of theoretical physics research into the question of whether it'd be possible. But there are others who are actively trying to derive solutions to Einstein's field equations and to figure out how we might actually do it. And there's a lot of consistency in uh, what they come up with. It usually involves some sort of rapidly rotating sphere, cylinder, or disc, in many cases, um, a highly energetic or highly massive uh, disc or cylinder. Actually, Ronald Mallet, who's uh, a pretty well-known physicist, his, it's his stated life goal to build a time machine. He's actively researching this, mostly using lasers, um, but, but trying to send something back. He lost his father when he was young. And like many people have contacted me with really sad stories about losing a child or some horrible event, and they, they want to go back and change it. Um, he's he's been working his whole life to try to change that and to save his father. Um, and he's you know a well respected physicist with a lab and uh, he's conducting experiments. So so yeah, we we as a species are uh, trying to figure it out. And and honestly, I don't think it'll be that long. There's there's a couple of case studies that I've been writing about for this new book with descriptions of very very similar humans with obviously the ufos we even give tours and describe how these craft fly and some aspects of their anti-gravity you know in layman's terms because we're talking about people in their past but i personally don't think it's going to be that long and and really we could know at whatever point they decide to tell us too it could happen in our lifetime even if we haven't figured out backward time travel technology ourselves hmm I still would rather go to the future myself. Yeah, me too. Totally. Past is the past, but the future would be fun. Yeah. And we could use a little fun. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be hard not to sneak things back. I I think I would get busted for trying to smuggle things home when they brought me back. And, you know, it's like the, the whole idea of stock picks or back to the future, too, since we're talking about some pop culture scenarios where Biff gets all of the the sports bets outcomes and makes a fortune that way. Like it it would be hard. You'd definitely be, be incentivized to, uh, to bring something back, you know, newspaper with a stock report. Um, Why not make a fortune while you're traveling around through time? When you talk about going to the future, I think of precognition where people allegedly have the ability to see an event in the future. So is it that their mind suddenly jumps through time briefly? Um, personally, I, I think 
that our consciousness is unbound from time and space and people who are able to see things before they happen are are just connected to that conscious state when things are happening in the future i i actually have uh that ability it's it's kind of freaked me out for most of my life but say what uh, yeah yeah i i see things before they happen it's only it's only through dreams it it's only ever happened through dreams but really benign scenarios nothing uh nothing like a a sporting event that i could bet on it's always just uh the, the most random moments and it's not just what i see it's um it's the smells it's any anxieties i had the the situation what what we were talking about what we were thinking about there's ones that have lasted long enough for me to to know what what a person's about to say i'll tell you what let's talk about precognition dr michael masters more to come with gene and randall you're in the paracast hey listeners I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the tech boom in the U.S. markets. The red-hot e-commerce payment sector is on fire with no signs of slowing down. Text the word HOT to 48542. Here's just one example of what you can get with the up-to-minute research from Avid Market Readers. According to Allied Market Research, mobile payments are on track to exceed $12 trillion, and Avid has identified one of the hottest companies in North America that is poised to dominate the mobile payment and e-commerce sector in 2021. Text the word HOT to 48542. To get your free subscription to Avid Market Readers, we deliver the data directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the hottest stocks to look at in 2021, then text the word HOT to 48542. Set your investment research strategy to hyper growth mode now with our information delivery system from Avid Market Readers. Text HOT to 48542 now and don't get left behind in 2021. Text HOT to 48542. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. 
Attention real estate investors. Do you need cash immediately? If you own one or multiple rental properties, you can use your equity to get cash out fast. The best part is we don't need tax returns or even a good credit score. At America's Loan Source, we are not a bank and we don't have bank rules. We make the decisions to loan you money and there's no limit how much we can give you. Some clients have gotten as much as $500,000 or more within days. Use the money any way you want. If you own one rental property or a hundred and COVID has left you in a cash crunch, we can help you turn your equity into fast cash. Call now for details and close in as little as 10 days and get the cash you need. 800-507-6553-800-507-6553-800-507-6553-800-507-6553. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. But just think yesterday, maybe 12, 18 hours ago, you knew the numbers that would get you the $731 million awarded in Powerball. $731 million minus taxes, of course. All right, you say you've had this kind of experience just anticipating what people say. How extensive and how often does it happen? Well, it, it's really weird. It's not something I can control. Uh, I've only been able to lucid dream maybe three or four times it indicates to me that there is some sort of connection to a deeper consciousness that is unbound by time and space i i feel like there's this quantum cohesion between our consciousness and and the actual dendrites the physical form of our brains and then death is just a a decoherence of that quantum state but if you look at near-death experiences my stepdad actually was just telling me about an experience he had recently uh he he was just in and out of the hospital for a serious heart condition and and may have died in his sleep for a little while, actually, based on what he was saying. But he describes something very common that a lot of other people with these experiences have, where he's just, he's able to move through space and time and see things and, and, and travel without the burden of these meat bags that we carry around. And I, I think that in addition to my own experiences of, of seeing moments before they happen really indicates that our consciousness exists in a different state of being, a non-physical state of being. I'd say to answer your question, it, it happens, there'll be little flurries where it happens, you know, a couple of times in the same week, and then it'll be months before it happens again. And I used to think, it used to freak me out when I was a kid because I thought if I hadn't had it for a while, it means I'm going to die. 
because there's nothing left in the future to see. <laughs> so I would, I would get all paranoid if I hadn't had one for a couple of months because I thought that my, my end was was near. It uh, reminds me of uh, I was just watching a movie, The Time Traveler's Wife. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but he goes through something very similar where he tends to so, sort of spontaneously pop in and out of different timelines, but he's never able to see past a mm-hmm. certain age. And so he figures he's going to die you yeah. know, within this particular range of times that he's never been able to see past. So that's a very interesting kind of parallel there. Yeah, it gets in your head. Uh, it used to mess with me a lot. And I eventually, as I got older, I realized that there's just a, an ebb and flow. There's a, kind of a feast and famine with precognitive visions. But I don't have it you know, nearly as, as to the same extent as a lot of people. I mean, there's I've talked to people who really are, are, are far more in touch with it. For me, it just kind of happens. And I'm like, oh, this, I, I remember this. I dreamed this. And I, I can say what's about to happen in, in some isolated cases. But there's a lot of people out there who are way more in touch with it and who can lucid dream whenever they want to and have you know telepathic abilities in some cases. So, yeah, I think it's really fascinating. Unfortunately, it's one of those taboo things that we can't really talk about or study in a way that I think it deserves. Well, I was going to ask you about that because being an academic who is openly involved in exploring the subject of ufology and, and the rest of these ideas, are you finding now that there's a growing acceptance among your peers? Yeah, actually, it's it's been really nice to see that. I was just interviewed by a philosopher, uh, a woman named Chris Rowles. Uh, she has a PhD in philosophy and teaches at a a college on the East Coast, um, but she interviewed me for the American Philosophical Association's blog, and that in itself I thought was phenomenal. That this the the main organization for the American Philosophical Society is actively publishing things about not just UFOs, but the whole series. It was a six part series where she interviewed PhDs who were doing sort of out of the box research uh, related to consciousness and, and time and e- even near death experiences. She actually just gave a talk for the big long acronym. I can't remember the name of it, but some near-death experience institute or something, uh, which I watched and it was really good. And and she addressed this too, how she's now able to talk about these things more. She doesn't have tenure. I'm lucky enough to have tenure and be at the end of my promotional career with full professor. So there's some protections, and that's the reason we have tenure, is to provide those protections and to allow people to push the boundaries of our understanding, or at least to to talk about things in different ways. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a uh, went is his last name. I can't remember his first name, but him and I, he was at Ohio state still is at Ohio state, a professor in political science. Just gave a TEDx talk about UFOs and yeah, I think, oh, I I think thought they finally, were all like, no, Ted won't. You mentioned the word UFOs that forget it. Yeah. They will are. not get the Ted label on that. They're very draconian. I don't know how he snuck that by him. It was a TEDx, which is still associated with TED. Right. But yeah, I don't know if he pulled a fast one on him or they just weren't vetting his talk as well as they should have. But yeah, he snuck one through and it went viral. It was trending for 
a while. So I reached out to him. You know, we got to stick together, the ones of us that are sticking our heads out. So I actually also used to work. My very first job was as a research assistant at Ohio State in that same building that he's in. So we kind of had some things to talk about beyond our interest in UFOs. But he's, he's saying the same thing I am. This is This is our job. As scientists, we should be studying this. We should be researching this. And and I go out of my way to call out my colleagues who still have that knee-jerk reaction to the subject, especially now that the Pentagon's confirmed the reality of those, those videos, uh, the cockpit videos, and have been more open about different programs. So there's really no reason why we shouldn't be taking this seriously and we shouldn't be talking about it. Well, when it comes to UFOs, of course, it has been taken seriously in the past. The United States Air Force invented they investigated it for over twenty years, yeah, in an official capacity. And people say, "Oh no, you know, nothing ever came of it. It's not some big cover up or anything else." And then you go to the archives and you dig up the Project Blue Book papers and you see the stamp right on it, secret. Right. Yeah. So they were not telling us everything. No. They haven't been telling us everything all along. And like Gene says, I don't think any of us are really convinced that they're going to tell us uh, no. everything in as the future. I, as I mentioned in my book, they're, they're not doing that for the Loch Ness Monster or for Bigfoot or for Mothman. The UFO phenomenon is real. And it blows my mind that people are still like, well, if they're real definitely real and why yeah. aren't we yeah. why aren't we trying to figure out what the hell they are why yeah, are we the, still the reality question is well over and yeah oh, but you're right there are still a certain number of people who will just you, you'll just see them turn off the light and that's mm-hmm. it walk out of the room they don't even want to engage on it period and you gotta you gotta admit that project grudge and and blue book were really effective at creating this stigma that wasn't just effective at the time but is perpetuated through time, and we still feel this awkwardness and this disgust at the idea of aliens and UFOs. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. It makes no sense why we just bury our heads in the sand and walk away. We're not going to bury our heads in the sand. We're going to look at these announcements and come back with Michael, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD Family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. 
Thousands of National Guard troops brought to the nation's capital to secure the inauguration will remain in Washington, D.C. until at least March. The Guard will continue to support local and federal law enforcement, initially reduced to 7,000 members and drawing down to 5,000 troops by mid-March. Congressman Andy Biggs says there's no justification to keep the Guard in D.C. that long. The Arizona Republican tells Fox News he hopes the troops are allowed to return home soon. They, there's no justification for that. They don't want to get, uh, the Democrats don't want to get back to regular order on anything, including the, the nation's capital. And that is going to be a problem going forward. This is, as some people have said, some commentators have suggested that this is an attempt to show uh, power, governmental centralization of power. Uh, through the station of military all over the United States Capitol. It is unfortunate. It shouldn't happen, and I hope that they rethink that. This is USA Radio News. Among the executive orders that President Biden signed in his first days in office was one revoking approval for the Keystone XL pipeline, which would have run from Alberta, Canada to Nebraska. It's a decision that Nebraska's governor says will negatively impact his state. Governor Pete Ricketts tells Fox News that the pipeline would have brought jobs and more to Nebraska. This is a horrible decision on the part of the new administration to do this. This is going to impact Nebraska. You know, we expected to get about a thousand uh, good paying jobs here. In fact, the premier is exactly right. These are union jobs. Some of these jobs, you know, for these skilled welders pay $135 or $150 an hour. And then, of course, there's the jobs that would be permanent after the construction of the pipeline. 100 to 200 of those would be in our rural parts of our state. So, again, great paying jobs in rural parts of our state. And then, of course, this would also deliver property tax relief to the counties that the pipeline ran through. So it really is something, it's a, it's a terrible decision, and it's going to negatively impact Nebraska and our citizens with regard to our prosperity. This is USA Radio News. You hear the headlines. You know health insurance is a real mess right now. Premiums have skyrocketed, and in most cases, you're stuck with your plan until open enrollment. But there's a government rule that allows you to qualify for lower health insurance rates if your life has changed. That means if you've changed jobs, if you're having a child, if you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, even if you run a small business or you're self-employed, this law may qualify you to get lower health insurance rates. Call the health insurance hotline today learn how this 10-minute call can help you get lower health insurance rates this is a free service to help consumers learn the laws to help them qualify for lower health insurance rates so call right now to learn more 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 call 800-670-0946 800-670-0946 Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Dr. Michael Masters joining us, and of course, he is on his second book now about abductions, of course, his original book that we talked about last year, Identified Flying Objects, a Multidisciplinary Scientific Approach to the UFO Phenomenon, or now, of course, we call it UAP. But in looking at possible visitors from other planets, do you consider at all that maybe that's another answer or another possibility, or is it both? Well, okay, it's time travelers, it's ET, a combination yeah, I, I definitely think everything should be on the table. And, and like I say many times in the book, I don't claim to have 
any deeper insight. I, I don't have all of the answers. I, I definitely think the phenomenon makes a lot of sense, and especially many of the details uh, with regard to what they're seen doing, how they operate, what their intentions might be, as we talked about earlier in the show. I think a lot of that fits within this extratempestrial model, but I definitely don't discount uh, the possibility of life on other planets that they've even maybe visited us. I think the simulation hypothesis is on the table. Um, I kind of consider interdimensional to be more or less the same thing as the extratempestrial model. I don't see those as being competing, but rather are probably uh, pretty similar in the way that we would understand this. So, yeah, I, I, I have a very open mind to everything. And, and just because I'm advocating for this time travel model doesn't mean that I don't think it could be other things. I'm very, very open to that. Yeah, you refer to it as the extra tempestrial model. I think, generally speaking, we refer to it as the extra temporal model. Either way, same thing, kind of. I mean, the way, the way that you know, tempestrial kind of sounds like, well, from here, not just from any place in time, but from Earth's future, which is is pretty cool. I mean, I don't know if, if we necessarily need to go with that model to get the same sort of phenomena happening. And we can get into that a little bit later. But we've got a couple of people in our forum who had actually requested that we get you back on because they really love your work. And we've got a couple of questions from them. Uh, oh, cool. I love, Damien, I love listener questions. Yeah, uh, we've got from one from Damien and another from Jenny Chan. So Damien, he asks here, uh, he says he bought your book and he supports your theory. And he asks, getting into the block universe theory, does that mean we are immortal, for the lack of a better word, if we always exist in specific coordinates of 4D space time? I love that question. I think so, honestly. And and a lot of this plays into what we were talking about earlier with regard to this this precognition. I I don't usually use that word because it makes me sound like I have some superpowers that I don't feel like I have. But to me, the way I've always tried to understand it, because it's been happening to me my entire life. And I think when I was in high school or college, I started to think, well, maybe I'm just seeing these things that are going to happen in my future because I've always lived in this body. And and some people have had uh, other lives or you know past lives. I think my consciousness has always been in this body. So the next step for me in this was to think, well, so when we die and our consciousness becomes unhinged from the, the fleshy portal that we used to carry it around, Perhaps that light at the end of the tunnel is just us coming back into the world uh, in the doctor's office where we're re-entering the, the world. Our consciousness uh, reattaches itself to the same form just at an earlier time. So, so yeah, in the context of, of block time and all moments being really there, not just within our lives or in association with our consciousness, but just structured in this massive four-dimensional block of the entire universe, then yeah, if we exist, we always exist. And the only thing that separates it is this physical body that makes us perceive time in a linear way. But there's really nothing 
no reason why the arrow arrow of time exists. It doesn't exist in physics. Things are are atemporal. They run just as well backwards as forward. But I think there's something about our biological state and the way life has evolved that makes time seem linear. But once our our brains are disconnected from this soul, this entity that allows us to have these feelings and thought, I think that's possibly just returns to the time that we're born and, and always exists for infinity in that time that we're in. We talk about, you know, when people die, we don't see them now, but something I always tell my kids when they're sad about, you know, our dog just passed away that we had for 13 years. And I was like, she's just, she's a puppy again. You know, she just got reborn as a puppy. We actually watched her die. It was really sad. She died in our arms. Oh. Um, but it's yeah, really like losing part of the family. It is. I mean, <laughs> you know, know, it truly is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to Sorry watch to like, that. that last moment of life. And I just, I watched her leave her body and you could see the moment it happened. And you just she was, know. Yeah, you know, I know, yeah, yeah. You yeah, see I that do. light go out, and and you know, I told my kids, I'm like, she's just, she just went back to her her puppy time, and she's, we're gonna meet her in, you know, five five weeks or something when we picked her up along the side of the road. Well, we've got a list. We're gonna move on from that. Um, lots that we could sort of dig into there, but uh, we've got number question number two from Damien, who says. You cited examples such as Roswell and the alien autopsy as evidence of what aliens look like, but both cases have their detractors in the UFO community. In fact, I mean, the Santilli case, that's been pretty much totally debunked. Yeah, and, and, and I would like to you know, correct something right off the bat that I didn't use the alien autopsy. A lot of people misconstrued that, and it kind of pissed me off because yeah. I was very clear about stating early on in that section that it was a hoax. It was fake. It was not real. So I, I didn't use that. Okay. Well, th thanks for clarifying that. Uh, so uh, this, I would imagine that you do believe that there are plenty of other cases, however, where there are descriptions of aliens that are similar that you don't think are fake. And I, I think most of us would also agree with that. Uh, question number three. Well, hey, hang you, on. I would. I guess I should clarify why I sure. mentioned the alien autopsy. Because okay. I did mention it in the book. I just wasn't using it as this is what we're going to look like. What right. I... What I, the reason I brought it up, and I guess I should have been more clear about this because a couple people have misinterpreted that. I was saying because it's fake, if it's not based on something, you know, some actual autopsy that took place, Santilli claims to have original footage that this was a recreation of, we could get into that for decades. It's this highly controversial thing. My point is why make an alien look so human? If you're faking an alien autopsy, if it wasn't based on something, that was the only point I was trying to make. It looks very human. The things they do to it, uh, taking off the contact lenses, the the physical form of it, the, the, the look in the eyes, the shape of the eyes, all of them are things that we would expect in the future uh, and are characteristic of many of these grays. But we wouldn't expect a fake to make something that looked so human if they're just faking an alien autopsy. We'd expect them to come up with something far more alien was the point I was trying to make in that book. Of course, the beginning and end of it is what does E.T. look like anyway? Yeah, yeah. And the other question would be here, even if E.T. is alien, would they have the ability to alter their perceived appearance, kind of like... Right. 
the alien did in contact. Yeah, or the screen memories that are so commonly reported. They clearly have the ability to manipulate how we perceive them. I don't think they're actually shape-shifting or anything like that, but they have the ability to create memories, false memories, about what they looked like for many abductees. But then how would they be defeated so easily with some hypnotic regression? You see the owl, and you go under hypnosis, Mm -hmm. and suddenly you see... You were in touch with E.T. It sounds to me like their mind control techniques could use a little bit of work. We got more well, to not come just with, that. Uh, let let oh, me break there. More to come with Michael and Gene and Randall. You're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. ParanormalDate.com. 
and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 hey this is marie d jones the author of this book is from the future and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio So, of course, as I was saying there, that you would think if E.T. has these powers of mind control, they can do a heck of a lot better. In fact, the entire abduction experience, have you thought of that, may be something that was generated as opposed to a real experience, but something. Their altering of your memory or creation of false memories, it didn't happen. They just sent you the projection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's something I talk about a lot in this new book, um, are these screen memories and what that might mean. And I would I would totally agree and also uh, add to that that it seems to be very dependent on the individual's own mind, too. You have some people who they, they don't even know they're abducted, and then something they, – they start to sense something, and then they try to look more into it, and then something triggers that all of these memories come flooding back. Willie Strieber, for him, it was a smell – and then all of it connected enough of whatever severed dendrites they did or whatever they did to his brain to make him forget. But then you have people like Terry Lovelace where he has this horrific experience and they're like, don't worry, you won't remember it. And he's like, oh, yeah, I will. You better believe I will. And he he never really – it didn't work on him the same way. Uh, so I think there's some variation not just in the screen memory or what's provided – uh, especially for children, it tends to be even more common when children are abducted. But some people who just it just doesn't take it doesn't affect them. And yeah, I agree. They need to they need to up their game when it comes to the the forgetting and the screen memories because they seem to break down pretty easily. While we're on the topic of abductions here, Jenny Chan asks. Oh, she's got a couple of questions here actually. So I I guess the shortest one is when it comes to abductions. Do you believe Travis Walton was taken up by time travelers. I do. Yeah, he's actually one of the case studies I examine in this new book. Okay, that was a short answer. More to come on. Leave that. it at that for now. For for those, I mean, then I know our regular listeners are going to be knowing what kind of gears are turning in my head right now. Yeah. But well, uh, there's there's five thousand words written about that very question. So yeah. I, I think it's better just Get, to wait on that one. Get the book. What is the title of your new book called? It's actually just called The Extra Tempestrial Model. 
Oh, okay. And uh, is is it out yet, or is it coming out and when? Oh, God, no. <laughs> My goal is to have the first draft finished by Christmas, and I think I hit save on the 23rd, Friday the 23rd. So, yeah, I, I made that goal. Unfortunately, classes started back up a few weeks ago, so I haven't been making as much progress. But I'm hoping for a 2021 release, so this year sometime. Oh, sounds good. And uh, she also asks, did you consider an alternative hypothesis of an advanced breakaway civilization being behind UFOs? Yeah, that's that's a, a question I get asked a lot, and it's a really interesting one to think about. Yeah, there's there's the idea. I've heard a couple different versions of this, but one is that uh, there was a breakaway civilization now or at some point in the near term and they go to a different planet or they go back in time and then become them and then travel through time and across space populate different planets. Yeah, I, I don't think at this point that's happened just because we haven't had the technology as a species to really do that yet but it's possible that in the future there could be some split some rifts that divides us or uh something that happens to the planet where we have to go to a moon base or a space station type living situation so that, yeah i think in the future there's a lot of things that could happen but i don't i don't think and there's really no way that there could have been a past group because we have to go through the stages of technological development to even get to a point where we could break away and do something like that. There's no evidence that we've left Earth prior to uh, the beginning of the rocket age. So I, I think it's definitely something to keep in mind, but it's it's something that would probably happen in our, our near future if it does. Yeah, and maybe closer than we think, too, at yeah. the rate of, of our technological pros, progress. With uh, They've got quantum computing going now that i read an article not too long ago where it, i mean we're, this is just in its infancy and this computer solved a problem that would take a conventional computer ten thousand years to solve yeah. <laughs> that is technology just a- <laughs> is is really an interesting one as far as acceleration like when i was uh taking statistics in graduate school you know, we we plug everything into a computer, it spits out instant results. And, and our professors would tell us about these punch cards that they used to have to take in giant stacks down to the central processing yeah. unit on campus. And it took days to get the results. So that's just one generation, really. Yeah, it's incredible. Now, Jenny also asks here, what do you think about Professor Hayam Eshrid's statement that the U.S. already has a deal in place with the Galactic Federation on Mars? Even Stephen Bassett mentioned the Federation as being the end game for his disclosure movement. I don't see that being compatible with time-traveling humans, so it makes my head hurt, she says. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he's a very well-decorated um, military man with a very long history of service in uh, in the military. So I, I think, you know, I, I heard this debated recently on, uh, I think it was called The Cryptid Factor, Reese Darby and Leon Kirkbeck's um podcast but they they were kind of going back and forth about well you know you get a lot of these late age uh near deathbed 
uh, revealing of a lot of military people. It was at George Hoover, I think was his name on his deathbed said that they are time travelers, that the Roswell, uh, crash was a time machine that had crashed. So yeah, I, I, I definitely respect the man. Um, and I, I don't know a lot about what he said. I think I read a quick article talking about, yeah, the, the Federation and some longstanding relationship that's coming from someone outside the U.S. military, though. So I, I wonder how much he could know about our interaction. But I don't know. It's interesting. And it kind of comes back to what we started this show with is, is what level of interaction, if any, is there? I think I think hopefully we're getting close to knowing that, but we're still not quite there. Oh, I'll be honest with you, though, guys. When I first heard this statement, despite the fact that the guy was a decorated veteran and everything else, I thought, what's well, another old guy like a Paul Hellyer coming out with wacky stuff? <laughs> yeah, it's that's on the table, too. I mean, who knows what his mental health situation was? Is he senile? Is he now feeling like he can say things? It's it's really hard to tell. I don't know him, and I, I kind of hate to even speculate because I, I can't speak from any sort of personal relationship. So I I don't know. It's It's hard. Yeah, better to be a little reserved if you don't have all the yeah. facts. Yeah. You know, uh, back to Damien, uh, and this is sort of related to what we were just talking about there. He says then, well, do the released Pentagon videos show time ships? Well, that's the last chapter of the new book. Um, I, I kind of feel bad saying uh I don't really want to talk too much about these, but that's the point of writing a book is to really dive deep into those questions and uh, Cliff Notes version. I'm not just going to avoid the question entirely, but I I don't know. And I say that, but I also offer some possible reasons why they could be and especially the G forces that would uh, the, these craft would be subjected to. I don't think they could fly and perform those instant accelerations and decelerations without manipulating space time in and around the craft to the extent that what we see is an almost instantaneous acceleration is actually a slower process as viewed from the reference frame of the Tic Tac or the, the flying saucer or triangular shaped UFO, whichever it may be. I, I don't think they could perform those maneuvers without the ability to manipulate space time. Does that mean they traveled through time to get here? Did they come from a base underwater or on the dark side of the moon that were built here in our time uh, for whatever purpose? There's there's a lot of potential explanations, uh, but I I I think that they the Tic Tac specifically um, would seem to indicate that they have some basic time bending properties. We have to break a second rental. I would wonder also here whether we are even seeing the actual craft and not holographic projections out there. It's an yeah. external variation of the holodeck. Who knows? Dr. Michael yeah. Masters, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Bags under the eyes, crow's feet, fine lines and wrinkles are things adults complain about as they age. Now there's Instantly Ageless. It works in minutes and is great for men and women. Here's a clip from the Rachel Ray Show testing the results of Instantly Ageless. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. If you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin while it sits on the skin. She went off to try a product called instantly ageless yeah instantly you could see a difference even the cameraman were like wow look at the difference yeah I mean, but i would definitely use this product this product within minutes of applying it it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation try instantly ageless today at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com 30-day money-back guarantee and preferred price discount at gcnlife.com that's gcnlife.com Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. But to continue in the frame of what I was talking about, Michael, we're trying to guess the technology of something that's 500, 1,000, 10,000 years ahead of us. They could manipulate matter in ways we couldn't even conceive of. I'm not talking about the Q continuum, but still. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and clearly there's something. And even to get to the point where we can travel backward in time, we're going to need a new physics. We're at least going to need to meld quantum mechanics and the general theory of relativity which we seem to still be a ways away from. But yeah, there could be aspects of, of the physical universe, time, especially as an, uh, an emergent phenomenon. There's something deeper rooted there. It's, it's non-quantized. It's something that, that we need to be able to understand in the context of space and, and change and forces that, yeah, I don't think we're anywhere close. So um, I, I don't claim to have... The answer as to how they do it, uh, Jack Sarfati has some ideas that he thinks uh, could explain the way in which they actually manipulate space-time in these ways. He's, he's team time travel as well, um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a physicist, so I can't say exactly what they're doing, um, but it does seem like they have some ability to, to warp space-time, at least in their general vicinity. I have a whole problem i mean i'm still in the same place as last time we talked is in that the whole time to travel thing is just way too problematic but 
when you were talking about the Tic Tac there and how it might explain some of the performance characteristics of these objects, I have to admit that you're absolutely right if it happens to be the case that that is what they're doing, because then you don't have to deal with issues like G-forces and deceleration and inertia. You just, if you can, if you have the ability to just dial in a coordinate in space-time and just go there, none of those issues apply anymore. But I mean, in this situation, we're not just talking about distance, we're also talking about time, right? So, you know, when they're talking about these objects coming from from almost up in orbit down to almost sea level in just a matter of seconds. I think it was what, three seconds and what they could be, report, yeah. Right. What they could be doing is not traveling through our existing space-time from up above the Earth down to sea level, but just dialing in the coordinate from where they are to where they want to be in space-time and just going from from that coordinate to the other coordinate. Yeah, and as we it, view it, it, as outsiders, outside that frame of reference, it would seem very different to us relative to what they're experiencing. And, and that's something that debunkers like to talk about. I've heard Mick West go on and on about the g-forces but it's it's really not problematic if we view them in the context of a a machine that's capable of manipulating space-time which by all accounts they are from their perspective they wouldn't even really be moving yeah (laughs) i mean they'd just be popping in and out of existence at particular coordinates where they need to be exactly jerry wills has described the same thing as terry lovelace where they're they're being taken on a massive triangular craft up to a moon base on the other side of the moon if it exists or not who knows but they describe feeling no acceleration whatsoever they can see that they're moving and they can see that they're moving very fast but they feel no sense of movement which could only be done in that in that context well look at any of the tv shows I mean, even when they're going at warp factor eight, there's no acceleration in Mm -hmm. Star Trek or in Stargate SG-1 or any of these shows. They're also traveling in a craft where the gravitational field is self-contained. Yeah. What is Alcubierre? I don't really know how to pronounce his name. I've never heard it said, but yeah, that's That's it. You know, it's the idea of manipulating uh, the universe. You you need negative mass for that, which is something that's still pretty far off if it's even possible. But yeah, warping space in front and behind the craft. So that that could play into it as well. Who knows? I have so many problems with those theories. I mean, it's not like I haven't contemplated them. I've been into contemplating that stuff since I was a kid. And, you know, I look at all of this stuff in it and there's just too many problems with it. I mean, I mean, even when you were talking about Novikov. Okay. So really the only reason that there's no paradoxes in the Novikov self consistency conjecture is because he's arbitrarily ruled them out as possibilities within no. the model. Yeah, no, well, no. yeah, that's if you read it, that's exactly what he's what it says. So I'm, you know, you don't have to believe me. I'm just saying, look, that's how it works. It it works out that in that model, all of the paradoxes that are likely to happen are reduced to zero. They're just arbitrarily no. ruled out. Well, that's not how mathematics works, though. They're they're talking about probabilities in the context of these different models. 
Well, that is how the math works, so that's how they made the math work. See, where we, and we got into this last time, math is a description, is essentially an art form. It describes things. It's a way of looking at things. It isn't necessarily the reality itself. There may be no block universe at all. It may be completely different. We actually don't know. Yeah. So you know, we, and, and but, I just acknowledged that earlier in the show, saying yeah, exactly. that we don't yet know. Exactly. Um, but what I'm trying to do is just offer the, a simple model based on the fact that we are here now. We know we're here, and we're likely to be here or somewhere in the future. We don't know about other beings on other planets, and there's really not much likelihood that they would look anything like us even if they did happen to find us and travel here. So in the context of a simple explanation, it's hard to deny that one involving something that we know is here and is likely to have more advanced technology in the future is one that involves less speculation. Maybe. Depends on the model. But, I mean, we could get into that a little bit more uh, as we sort of maybe near the end of the show, I suppose. But uh, uh, how much time have we got left here, Gene? Well, right now you're on segment number nine out of 12. And then if he he does the premium show, we can do more of that. Well, that sounds okay. Well, maybe we we could get into a little bit more of that later. But um, for now, kind of sort of sum up where you're at and where you'd like to see this go in the future for you. Well, um. I'm at a place where I am trying to balance um, a lot of different things. I guess we just moved, and I haven't moved since I took the job at Montana Tech 11 years ago. And it turns out moving is a big pain in the ass, and I totally forgot about that. Um, <laughs> you know, also parenting yeah. obviously takes time. Teaching, I actually teach at two different universities here. Writing a new book, COVID has helped in the sense that I was doing a lot of conferences and and TV and and movie stuff before, and that's freed some time up. But I I feel like for me and my advocacy for this model, and I'm certainly not the only one. In fact, the whole first section of my book is, is talking about all of the many other people who have had the same idea and have been putting it out there in one form or another over the last really 30, 40 years almost. Um, but but my role in this, what I'm trying to do is not just advocate for a time travel model, but also bring legitimacy to the study of UFOs and show that we can have testable hypotheses, which this model is. And we can also uh, talk about these things without it having to be plagued by stigma and, and the ridicule that's followed it around for so long. And I, I continue to do that. Uh, while also still trying to balance uh, some sort of normal life. Um, So I I would say for me, you know, just slow and steady wins the race, just kind of carry on and and do what I can, but, you know, not try to do too much too fast or too little and take too long. Um, But hopefully, you know, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, we can continue to not just discuss this as a viable model that should be considered in association with the extraterrestrial hypothesis and others, but just that more people are talking about UFOs and that we're bringing this into the mainstream and that more scientists, more of my colleagues are taking this seriously and and trying to figure it out. We've got more to come with Michael, Gene, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. 
Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Times are certainly uncertain. In fact, the return of food shortages is likely. Don't take chances. Make the decision to acquire a dependable supply of long-lasting emergency food. Food that lasts for up to 25 years in storage, ready the moment you need it. There's an old saying, failing to plan means planning to fail. Don't wait for the next crisis. Have a three-month, six-month, or even one-year supply of food on hand. It's easy and affordable. We're My Patriot Supply, America's leader in emergency preparedness. We've served millions of folks like you for over a decade, and our mission is your survival. Our meals are delicious and provide you with 2,000 calories a day, and our kits arrive quickly and discreetly at your doorstep. Visit MyPatriotSupply.com and feast your eyes on the food that could save your life someday. That's MyPatriotSupply.com. Take the pressure off yourself. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and face the future without regrets. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Now with orders to stay at home, public health concerns, the reality of illness due to pathogens and viruses, your health is at an all-time high risk. That's why it's critical to take a proactive approach to boost your immune system. You can with new nano-colloidal silver from AmeriCare. Our patented process with tiny silver particles, one one-hundredth the size of a red blood cell, allows for maximum body absorption. AmeriCare's nano-colloidal silver effectively disinfects your body internally, attacking pathogens and viruses while supercharging your immune system. Colloidal silver is antibacterial and antiviral. Simply put, it prohibits bacterial respiration, suffocating viral cells, preventing the virus from replicating. And now, due to public health concern, AmeriCare is authorized to offer our lowest and best price ever, around a dollar a day. But supplies are limited. Purchase nano-colloidal silver now at ImmuneSupportNow.com. That's ImmuneSupportNow.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Supplies are limited. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthrodex for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. 
That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That is interesting that more and more academics are taking it seriously. Let's personalize this. What do your students think about you? Do they think, oh, that's that crazy professor who (laughs) wants to run around in a wave rider or something? No, not at all. I was told by the chair of my department that I have the the highest student evaluation of instructor scores of, of anyone on campus. Um, my, my chancellor, the dean, the chair of my department, they all really respect what I'm doing. And they've read my work, not just this book, but other, other papers I've published in, in very well-respected journals. And, you know, when I teach class, I, I actually got asked to teach a class about UFOs for the honors department last year which I thought was a testament to just how seriously they take this and how interested they are in this research, that they even wanted to construct a whole class for the smartest kids on campus to go through chapter by chapter in the book. And like Randall, just pick it all apart and say it's crap. Um, (laughs) But but no, I think it's great. And no, I'm not seen as a crazy person at all. And it's quite the opposite. They're really excited about uh, the attention that Montana Tech gets, and they're excited about the research. And, and yeah, I'd say it's the opposite. If anything, it's it's really helped legitimize the subject on our campus and around Southwest Montana in general. And I'm hopeful that that same effect will also prevail in other parts of the world as we continue to move forward with this topic. Absolutely. I think that is just fabulous. Uh, we've got some other people, like the people with the scientific coalition for uap studies we've had professor paul kingsbury on imagine you've probably heard of him from simon fraser university and he takes a very similar approach to you it is really really nice to see the academic minds opening up and considering the possibilities to explain the phenomena because by now i think any reasonable open-minded person would have to admit that the phenomena is real. And like you were saying, well, how do we explain it? Mm -hmm. It is an enduring mystery. It is something worth thinking about, especially if you have a brain. That's what scientists are supposed to be doing is trying to figure out the world around us. And and yeah, I I was really hopeful when the Pentagon confirmed the reality of those those three videos uh fleer go fast and gimbal i think on april 20th last year i i really thought there would be a rush to study this and that there would be this flood of researchers that are like hey let's let's try to figure this out the, the these are real nothing still crickets and it's, well, it's they, extremely have, frustrating you know we do need the skeptic stuff still I blatantly say I'm a believer, which is as anti-scientific as you can get. But (laughs) after going through, well, I'm not even sure if you would call it research, but the the information that's out there in the world in various books and videos and talking to people in person for decades and having had an experience myself where I've seen one of these things, I go, yeah, 
there's no question in my mind Mm -hmm. that they are real. But that doesn't mean that every case is, you know. Like you said, it's not a belief system. You know, we don't use the term believe in evolution anymore because it's a proven fact. It's very, very easy to prove with Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium and, and and just studying a change in allele frequencies. We can see evolution happening. So we don't say, do you believe in evolution? We talk about the process. And it should be the same with this. Do you believe in UFOs? Do you believe in aliens? If there is objective evidence or very highly trained military personnel, fighter jet pilots, the the Pentagon, who oversees all of this, saying these things are real, that question's off the table. That's not even something that we should be asking anymore. It's, and yeah, I, I've never had an experience. I've never even seen a light in the sky that could be confused for a UFO or something anomalous. But I still look at all of the objective reality of this phenomenon and say, this is a real thing. And I, I guess... I forget sometimes that that's not necessarily how people view the world, and and I I think it's important. We need believers. We need skeptics, as you say, but we also need people to just look at the facts and make informed decisions based on that. Now, of course, the big problem I have here is if there is an agreement with our future visitors, with governments, why bother to investigate, or is that just a cover-up? Investigate... The phenomenon, like UFOs? Yes, I mean, if we already yeah. are in communication with them, we've made a deal they can kidnap some of our people so that they can yeah. refresh their gene pool, whatever it is. Why investigate? We already know the answer. Mm-hmm. I was actually just talking about that with somebody recently. That same question arose. Also, why are we still investing so much in rocket technology if we're getting technologies that allow us to operate machinery, aerial machinery, in ways that don't involve that. Why is uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX and you know that NASA is still investigating and developing these technologies if they're going to be obsolete? But I don't, I don't know. Like I think that that's a valid interpretation, some sort of cover for something that is deeper. But, but again, why? Why cover up something that you're trying to cover up why talk about this in, in this context if you're trying to not get people to talk about it. It's it's definitely weird. And and it's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily subscribe to any claim that the, the US military is directly working with these entities, whether they be from time or space. So they're as shall we say, mystified as we are I think so. I I think at least historically, maybe it's changed recently, but I think historically it was just they didn't want to be caught with their pants down and have to explain to people that this is real. Uh, They don't want to get caught with their pants down and say, we have no idea what the heck these things are. Um, It it makes them look bad. It, It creates panic and fear within the populace who's supposed to be protected by these governments from threats internal and external. So so for me, I, I tend to default to that explanation that I think they're just trying to not uh, make it look like they don't know what's going on. But I, I, I don't know. There's probably only a handful of people in the world or in the U.S. government that do know. The rest of us are, are just left to speculate. Well, this particular article from Debrief that we mentioned towards the beginning of the show, their basic premise is that the government hasn't 
taken it seriously or does to a certain level. But so long as there's no immediate danger, they just rather leave it within the noise. It's just something else that we occasionally have to deal with, and we will. And then maybe people will stop talking about it, and then we don't have to deal with it. We can stick it in Warehouse 13 with the Roswell ship or the Ark of the Covenant, or any of, what, 10,000 other artifacts? You never know. You never know what's going to happen. What is going to happen, by the way, is that Michael's going to be back on After the Paracast for Paracast Plus subscribers. Check the Paracast Plus for more. More to come with, that's another pop culture connection that probably most people <laughs> do not even remember what the TV show Warehouse 13 was. But I thought it was fun. There you go. More to come with Randall Jean and Michael, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. USA Radio News with Dan Naraki. The impeachment trial for former President Donald Trump will begin the week of February the 8th, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Critics say the impeachment trial could delay work Congress needs to get done. When it comes to impeachment, Senator Bob Casey believes the Senate will be able to multitask. The Pennsylvania Democrat tells Fox News that the Senate should be able to run a trial at the same time they're trying to work on more COVID relief and approving a number of President Biden's nominees. Not the, not this week, because this week will just be formalities, but uh, starting February 8th, we have to go through and process uh, an impeachment trial. But I still think even in that week, and I think it's probably going to be, I hope it's just that week or 10 days, in the mornings we can get things done, whether it's nominations or committee meetings or otherwise. This is USA Radio News. After the scrutiny that Georgia's election system came under last year, Many have called for changes to the way that Georgia handles absentee ballots. Governor Brian Kemp tells Fox News that he's for a proposal to require photo ID for absentee voters. We know there's a lot of frustration out there. I think it's incumbent on us as policymakers to listen to people's frustrations, but also at the end of the day, make sure that we have secure, accessible, and fair elections in the state and that people have confidence in that. I believe doing the photo photo ID requirement on absentee ballots by mail will help accomplish that. But there's many other things that I've been talking to the legislators about 
that we'll be looking at and debating this year, and hopefully we'll have bipartisan support, because I don't know who would not be for having secure, accessible, fair elections and make it making it easy to vote and hard to cheat. This is USA Radio News. We have all seen and perhaps used the alcohol-based hand sanitizers. Have you ever noticed how it dries your skin, and as soon as the alcohol evaporates, it's no longer effective? With bacteria and virus problems, sanitizers and hand washing are the first line of defense against infectious disease. GCNteam.com has alcohol-free antibacterial soap and foam meeting or exceeding all requirements as set forth by the United States Food and Drug Administration as a first aid antiseptic. When it comes to sanitizers, it only makes sense that it lasts till the next application and doesn't dry and crack your skin, inviting infection. For long-lasting, alcohol-free sanitizing, come to GCNteam.com keyword antibacterial. That's GCNteam.com antibacterial or call 877-878-4203. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So if we're looking at it that way, Michael, maybe it is that the government has to be forced kicking and screaming into recognizing it. Oh, it's just something that's happening. We don't want to deal with it. So let's just close the books. And when forced into it, as obviously they were with the Pentagon UAP task force, we have to at least pretend to do something about it. Yeah, I I think that's definitely uh, something to consider and is very likely what's happened. But I, I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I had some good friends high up in the military who I could call up and say, hey, what's going on with UFOs and, and get a direct answer. But I, I don't have that kind of access, unfortunately. Well, the thing that bothers me also about statements from former government officials like Chris Mellon and John Podesta, who certainly had plenty of ins within the government, they want an investigation. If they're in the government and have the power, if you're a chief of staff or you're an intelligence official, you know, probably you can get the information. I assume even the president ought to be able to get the information. And, of course, we have this argument with President Trump. People hate it when I mention any political figure, but that is whether he could just release anything that's top secret as president of the United States and commander-in-chief. And the answer is he can. So when we wonder here whether a president can reveal the truth about UFOs, certainly he can say, give it to me and I will do what I want with it and you can't stop me. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of people speculate about some deep state thing that where presidents are let in on a secret but can't necessarily be trusted because they come and go. You know, like what happens in four or eight years after they're gone? What happens to the information? Is it disseminated? Do they, you know, divulge everything on their deathbed when there's no ramifications anymore? I don't know. It would make sense that there would be, but it's hard to tell. I I think uh, Trump said he was debriefed on UFOs. So, you know, maybe they clue him in on something at least. Well, certainly now without his Twitter account, he can't tell anybody. (laughs) 
but would he anyway like you said would, oh, would he, he if he did no and, and in the ufo it, community everybody's always like well this is going to be the president this is going to be the president and I've, I've only been fully emerged in in this community for the last year and a half but i've followed it for a while and they, they always say that and it never happens well the thing is also is it possible that when the president takes office Somebody comes in there with a briefcase and says, Mr. President, we need to tell you a few things. And then he says, you know, this is like I, we've got to have some kind of program to tell the public. And they say, do you remember John Kennedy? And that ends the discussion. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like Clinton said, he tried to get to the bottom of it. Something else he also said is that he's not the first one who's tried. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, uh, Jimmy so, Carter did, too. I remember yeah. Carter saying he looked into it. Right. You know, so Dr. Masters, I mean, that is definitely a possibility that because, like you say, these people are transitory compared to whatever this phenomena is that has been around, well, as long as we have, which is kind of another interesting thing that kind of fits in with your theory. Oh, you're going to give me one, huh? All right. All right. (laughs) You did this to me last time, too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, we can go all the way back to the pictographs and so on and, and the ancient legends. And it, I mean, it kind of fits in with the whole thing. It's, it's very seductive in its own way. But, uh, you know, I'm still. You I'm have still a very kind of, love-hate-love relationship with this model. It's, yeah. it's Don't worry, yeah. you'll come around. <laughs> well, what, Just give it time, Randall. What, what I really like about it is the way that it makes us think about our relationship between ourselves and whoever these aliens are. Yeah. Because I think that we could explain the same things using an extraterrestrial hypothesis in just as simple a way, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's accurate either. But either way, it gets us looking at this relationship that you've identified between the aliens and ourselves as beings on this planet. And that is pretty hard to deny those relationships when you get looking at it from the perspective that you have, which is from an anthropological perspective. And going, well, it's just not that likely that you would get humanoids that look virtually human but are aliens coming to visit us. Unless there was a direct connection. Yeah, and, and that's obviously the main place I've started from, and the main focus of, of identified flying objects was to show that morphological connection and, and cultural as well. Many of the things that people report seeing in these crafts are devices that almost seem to be have grown out of things that we currently use. And I don't know, does that indicate a connection, a cross-cultural evolutionary connection, or is it just coincidence? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm still open to other interpretations. Well, what about the case here? Let's, let's just assume that, okay, so this, the block universe model is the way that the universe that we're in, there maybe are, are other block universes as well, but whatever the case that, Let's just assume that that's the case for the one that we're in. And therefore, things are pretty much set in stone. It's already happened. So at some point in the future, we actually do figure this out and are able to travel. We're we're actually technically not traveling back in time because it's already happened. It's just 
simply the way it is and the point of view of whatever the intelligences are at the time are able to look at that particular slice of that block universe. And that gives them the impression that they're traveling, but it's not really travel because it's all pretty much one big block that is simply the way that it is and has been and always will be. And of course, everybody must bring this up. You know, what does that say to uh, our concept of free will and self-determination? Now, if when we find this out at some point, if we assume that this is correct, we're all going to know that this is the way that it is. And we're all going to have to live with this idea that, well, we're not self-determining our future. We're well, all we, just, but we're we all are. just victim. We're all victims of circumstance uh, that has been written into stone, and it's no. never. You know, we're, it, what's the point? That's so hyperbolic. That that's not, and unfortunately, that's a lot of people's first reaction when hearing about the block universe. Oh, there's no free will, hogwash. You you, you still make decisions. You still uh, do things in the way that creates your outcome. It's just at the end of it, looking back, there was only one outcome. It doesn't change what free will is or the sense that we create those things. We're still creating them. It's just what we were always going to do in the first place. It doesn't mean that it's predestined or somebody else laid it out. We're still in control of our own existence. Uh, but that that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if if it's already set out into the future, right, the block universe is already set into the future, then we're not creating anything. It's already been created. We're just experiencing it as we somehow. I disagree. It's about perception at that point. It's how you perceive that creation of events. Right. It is exactly. It's just it's whatever. And this is another thing we don't know how to explain is how consciousness is able to be aware of all of this, whatever it is anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, if we assume that this is a block universe, then there are a whole bunch of consequences. that, And, and this just happens to be one of them. Yes, it's set out in a way that makes it look like we're making decisions. And it's a very powerful illusion. And I'm, I, like we talked about in our previous discussion, I'm pretty much of the opinion that most of our what we think is decision making and choice making isn't really free in the way that most people think it is. It's already predetermined subconsciously before we ever make the choice. It's already made. Mm-hmm. You know so, what? Let's make this decision right now and come back for another segment with. Michael, Gene, and Randall, you're in. The Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. 
Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the tech boom in the U.S. markets. The red-hot e-commerce payment sector is on fire with no signs of slowing down. Text the word HOT to 48542. Here's just one example of what you can get with the up-to-minute research from Avid Market Readers. According to Allied Market Research, mobile payments are on track to exceed $12 trillion, And Avid has identified one of the hottest companies in North America that is poised to dominate the mobile payment and e-commerce sector in 2021. Text the word HOT to 48542. To get your free subscription to Avid Market Readers, we deliver the data directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the hottest stocks to look at in 2021, then text the word HOT to 48542. Set your investment research strategy to hyper growth mode now with our information delivery system from Avid Market Readers. Text HOT to 48542 now and don't get left behind in 2021. Text HOT to 48542. There's so much hand sanitizer on the market, but beware. Not all hand sanitizers are created equal. That's why you want to use 2020 Safe Hand Sanitizer. You can trust the hand sanitizer on 2020safe.net to be made with the highest quality ingredients. American made with American ingredients employing Americans. Log on now to 2020safe.net and order your one liter today. Normally $29.99, but reduced to $19.99. So hurry while supplies last and receive a bonus. That's right. You'll receive a 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, a $39.95 value, free, by using code GCN at checkout. Right now, click 2020safe.net. That's 2020safe.net to get our one-liter bottle of high-quality hand sanitizer with your free bonus. A 30-count bottle of Immune Booster, valued at $39.95. Remember to enter GCN at checkout. And the bonus is yours, free, 2020safe.net. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Randall, so everything is predetermined. You're telling me anyway. The decision's already been made. We're just going through the motions? That's how this block universe idea would be set out. But, I mean, even if it's not, I mean, we... I, whole idea of free will is still a separate subject. I, I don't really think that 
we have free will in the sense that most people assume that we do. It's a, it's a beautiful illusion. We could have that same sort of beautiful illusion in the block universe model until somebody comes along in the future that is already laid out because obviously if these are time ships that are coming back through time, somebody has figured it out and therefore there will be a time in the future where we all know it's already been set out. It's already been the way it's going to be and that's just the way that it is and we have to learn to accept that randall it doesn't mean necessarily that we know what the outcome is going to be only that the outcome is maybe already determined but that also covers a religious point of view that we're fulfilling our destinies well yeah exactly well if we know Dr. Masters, like you were saying, that this is a testable hypothesis, right? In other words, at some point in the future, we're going to know whether or not it's true or false. Mm -hmm. And so once we get to the point where it's no longer just a theory or a conjecture and we go, yeah, we know this is the case. It's already been all set out. These people's lives were already crystallized in this block universe. And so are theirs for that matter. Once that is known, then maybe that's why the governments, if they know this already, don't want us to know now. Because, you know, because otherwise everybody's going to become all all, uh, kind of they're just going to lose their interest in and motivation in doing anything. And that's the last thing a government wants is is to be told, well, it doesn't matter what you do. It's all going to be the way it is anyhow. Well, therefore, they still have to do something. They just can't sit in the bed and say, okay, well, my future is predetermined. I will do nothing and see it happen. They have to actually do something. In mass apathy, can you imagine? I mean, there's only probably one thing worse than mass revolution, and that is mass apathy. But it's not like that. We still have stimulus. We still have a reason to get out of bed. We still enjoy walks through the woods. or Many people enjoy their jobs going to work and, and socializing, interacting with people. I'd like to say two things. One, this time travel model isn't predicated on a block universe. Like I said earlier, I, I use the block universe model to explain how this might work in the book because it is the current dominant model among physicists to explain the universe around us. But even if it is the many worlds interpretation, it doesn't change this extra tempestual model. It doesn't change who they are as us coming back through time. It's just the effect of coming back is different. Rather than self-consistency, there's different timelines. And that's very possible too. So in, in your worst case scenario with future apathy, that's only related to the block universe. But if that's already the dominant model in physics, we should already have that. But physicists shouldn't want to get out of bed. They shouldn't want to do anything because their their <laughs> understanding of the universe is that it's already like that. So why does it matter if the world as a whole is more aware of that in the future? And, and again, I'd, I'd like to draw a clear separation between this time travel model and that aspect of it, because it very well could be that there's multiple worlds and multiple timelines, in which case none of that would apply in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Oh, very true. Absolutely. But then if we go with, say, like, uh, just consider the idea of mass apathy, is then, you know, it's not like everybody's going to necessarily rise up and go, okay, the aliens are here. Now we want all the answers. We want to know where they're from. We want all their magical technology. It might become the case, whether it's a block universe or not, or whether or not they're coming here, you know, through time, 
it may be the case that we find out that we're we're some third world mm-hmm. compared to them. We're just the primitives, and ET or our future visitors don't really think that much of us. The other thing I'm wondering here about our perceptions of time, are you familiar with a movie called Arrival? With Amy Adams Uh, plays a linguist trying to communicate with these extraterrestrials who somehow communicate through time. That's interesting. No, I'm not familiar with that, but I'm writing it down right now. Is it on Netflix? Can I go watch it later? It's on something. I got in a special deal that Amazon was offering. I can look up right now as to whether it is or not. I've got Amazon Prime and Netflix, so between the two, I'm sure I can find it. Okay. So Arrival is... The Blu-ray version is $4.99. You can stream it with... Oh, I, I own the movie, so I can't determine whether or not it would cost anything. The 4K version is $19.99. Anyway, it's worth seeing because it's one of those movies that you have to think. You can't just sit there and accept what happens like you can with most sci-fi. This is something where you have to think about the possibilities because here they're communicating in time. And once she understands that, I guess she herself is able to see events from the future. That's really interesting. It kind of reminds me of um, the Charles Famadorians from uh, Kurt Vonnegut's book, Slaughterhouse-Five, that, that same sort of scenario where the, these aliens see all moments at the same time and uh, yeah, communicate in different ways because of that. Well, that would take also the concept of maybe time, of course, is an illusion. There is no time. It's only our perception of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore, there's no problem going from one time stream to another. You just have to change your perspective. Mm -hmm. There was a movie with Christopher Reeve where he goes back through time to meet the woman that he becomes obsessed with. And it's like he wills himself to go back. I think I've seen that. I think I think I actually watched that with my parents when I was really young. Sounds super familiar. It was a movie that was made right after Superman. He wanted to do something where I think he wanted to demonstrate what a serious actor he was. And therefore, he did this movie right after he did Superman. And the movie's called Somewhere in Time. Yep. Okay? Yep. That's that's the movie. Jane Seymour plays this woman from the Mm -hmm. late 19th century. And he falls in love with her, goes back through time, and then the illusion is spoiled because he looks at his watch by mistake. Yep. It's yeah, something I mean, of our current time, and therefore yeah. it destroys the illusion. And it rips him away, and he's like really panicked and, and saddened by that, I remember. We can do a lot more, and we're going to have Michael with us for a while on After the Paracast for more discussions. In the meantime, for those who want to know more about the things you do, where can they check out? Well, uh, I've got a website, which is uh, a shortened version of the title of the book, idflyobj.com, I-D-F-L-Y-O-B-J, at uh, idflyobj.com, I-D-F-L-Y-O-B-J.com. And it's got links to where you can find the book, uh, info about 
an upcoming book and lectures and, and interviews and things like that. Good stuff. You can find us on Twitter if you look for The Paracast. Look for The Paracast on Facebook. They haven't banned us yet because we're just The Paracast. After all, what do we do? You can get branded merchandise at theparacast.shop. That's theparacast.shop. Four different logos, the T-shirts, everything. Good prices, great quality merchandise. All sizes from little tiny people, children, to big, tall people over seven feet. You're a basketball player. You can buy this stuff. Theparacast.shop. We also have the Paracast Plus where we offer this show free of the network ads with better quality audio and the after the Paracast podcast where Dr. Masters will join us and you can subscribe for prices beginning at a buck and a half a week for long-term subscriptions, five year or lifetime. We give you a coupon code for a download for the phenomenon, the James Fox UFO documentary and three hours of extras. Check out the Paracast Dot plus the Paracast. Dot plus, Dr. Michael Masters. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Yeah, thank you for having me. On. It was great talking to you guys as always. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>